Welcome to Surprise Mechanics, the only podcast about video games. I'm your co-host, Roman Vitell, and joining me, as always, is the one from down under, Michael Jones. Greetings, gamer. I see you. Greetings, gamer. I see you. Just paying a little homage to your Australian heritage there. <laughs> I appreciate it, Roman. So what brings us here today? Well, we're going to talk about The Last of Us 2, a topical conversation. Uh, well, you know, actually, for real, I was a little worried we'd kind of missed the boat on this. Because it has been a year. We're coming right up on the year anniversary of its release, which is why we're doing this. But uh, I saw that there's like a new round of Days Gone discourse. So I'm like, whatever. There's no rules. It's fine. We can talk about things whenever we want to talk about them. Everything kind of cycles back someday, somehow. Right. So here we are, another uh, beautiful summer day. The bugs are out in the trees and they're screaming. Uh, You'll probably hear them on this because they're right outside of my door. Like that. That basically, yeah. Are you getting a lot of bugs? I get them a lot uh, when I go outside, but uh, I don't hear them inside, thankfully. Oh, I hear them all the time. And they're fine. I don't actually mind the noise. But I will say, uh, I'm getting really tired of all the articles talking about people eating them. I don't want to eat the bugs. I'm not going to eat the bugs. I don't care if you dip them in chocolate. I don't care if you ground them up and put them in little bars like in Snowpiercer. I'm not going to eat the bugs. The hard, hard line there. Yeah, that's sort of, yeah. I, I don't care. Not going to eat the bugs. I don't care. I will uh, I will become a vegetarian. That's fine. But I'm not going to eat the bugs. All right. Yeah. So, Michael, <laughs> let's talk about Last of Us 2. And okay. what I want to do in this episode is do our usual sweet sour sauce. But then at the end, I want to save a little bit of time to just talk about the future of this franchise. And I actually have some questions prepared for you that I thought maybe we could talk about because this is a relatively new franchise, all things considered, in terms of how it's it's ramping up right now. And I think we're just starting to see the beginning of this. Yes. And, and I think it's about to, like the face of a clicker, blossom and bloom into a, a beautiful monster that uh, potentially could have wide appeal. I really do believe that. Oh, absolutely. I think that uh, The Last of Us comes from a place like The Walking Dead was still very popular and um, it comes straight out of like the zombie craze that was big a few years back. And it's a little different than your standard zombie fare. So I imagine it has a little bit more life left in it. Absolutely. Well, then let's not waste any more time and let's get right into the suite. All right, folks, here's your first and only friendly warning that spoilers are ahead. If you don't want to know your plot beats, your characters, user experience, the buzz of the biz, and of course the mechanics, then we recommend playing the game how you'd like. Do that first. But if that's not an issue, then let's go. Yes. So, like, I think we should just talk about the more game aspects of The Last of Us 2 and kind of get that out of the way. Uh, specifically, I'm thinking of the graphic fidelity, because I think your mileage is going to vary with this. Some people, good graphics means more than others. But this game does look beautiful. Uh, it is a real treat to look at, and it is kind of insane the amount of detail that went into this thing. Uh, I've actually found this YouTube channel recently called Speclizer, and they have been taking out-of-bounds requests and like basically manipulating the camera to see stuff that is not meant to be seen. And, and it ranges from everything from like where characters pop in and out of to revealing that like character models have fingerprints. And when you hit someone in the face with a pipe, their teeth fall out. Uh, just kind of insane. The amount of artistry and detail and craft that went into this thing. 
Yeah, that is the crazy thing about this game. And in other games, like in its class, like Red Dead Redemption 2, just have these insane amount of details to them that I, I feel like when you're playing the game, um, you might notice little things here and there, but there's bound to be a lot that you really do miss because it's just not very common in games. And um, those little like animation details, like the teeth and the fingerprints, like I, they, they seem like, oh, why do I need that? It's just a video game. But gosh, like I, I didn't know that before. <laughs> that's 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 insane. Yeah, and even like uh, Ellie's hair gets messed up in uh, when you run, and she'll fix it, or it interacts differently with water if it's raining. You know, and and again, I that's not at the forefront of my mind when I play a game. But, you know, uh, credit where credit's due, it is impressive. Yes, I, th I think it is one of those things that really sets Naughty Dog in a, in a place where uh, these games definitely serve as uh, big technological demos. Um, you know, you have yeah. games throughout the course of gaming history that, uh, that they are technical marvels. And as games, they, you know, they, they are what they are. They're, they're either like good or OK or great. Um, but I feel like The Last of Us is definitely in that place where uh, Naughty Dog was flaunting its technology and its capabilities with the PlayStation hardware. Right. And it is impressive that they managed to get it to look this good and run this well on the PS4. Uh, PS, it came out at the end of the PS4's life uh, cycle. So, you know, it's I think the unspoken thing is here is we will be getting a PS5 remaster at some point. Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe it'll be a free upgrade. That seems to be a lot of the... Uh, a way the world is going, which I would definitely not complain about. Uh, they actually did release, as of this recording, they've already released the uh, update that allows the frame rate to be 60 frames per second on PS5, uh, which I have not played with, but I imagine looks very smooth. As far as the gameplay goes, uh, this is a very story-heavy game. That's kind of Naughty Dog's specialty. A lot of attention to the story. We can talk about how effective we think that was in a minute. Uh, and a lot of big set pieces. And I would say that while... This game doesn't have any necessarily like groundbreaking gameplay or anything I didn't necessarily feel like I hadn't seen somewhere else. I think the gameplay is perfectly good for what this game was trying to accomplish. And to me, what that means is there are people at Naughty Dog, you know, and, and to be fair, maybe it's Neil Druckmann himself. Maybe it's coming from the top or maybe it's the devs and designers below who at least understand that this needs to be fun to play because it is a video game. Uh, this is not a quantum dream or quantic dream. David Cage, <laughs> this isn't a David Cage, <laughs> uh, feels really clunky and is is uh, just not that fun to play kind of experience. And no, it feels like a good video game. It feels fine. Uh, the controls are smooth. Again, nothing, I, nothing super groundbreaking, nothing I haven't even seen before. And even just like the basic loop of upgrading your weapons, finding more gear, looting, um... You know, I like that kind of stuff. I'm kind of a sucker for that. And it's nothing innovative, but it's satisfying enough, you know? Yeah, it is a... Um, I, I feel like The Last of Us, at its core, is kind of an amalgamation of uh, game design from, like, a few different places, all kind of wrapped up into one pretty neat package um, for with, a you know, a, an emotional story to boot uh, to carry it through. So I, I feel that... There are pieces in these games, uh, Last of Us Part 1 and Part 2, that uh, they, they work fine in the context of its own game. Um, but then they definitely pull pieces from 
uh, games of the past that, you know, I guess you could argue may have done it better, um, whether that's like stealth mechanics or shooting mechanics, whatever that may be. Um, but uh, that that kind of is what the like really high production value game does, I think, is they, they take a lot of what makes these like niche games really good and then um, build them into uh, really high production value set pieces and uh, mix these things together in order to make a big triple or quadruple A experience. Right. No, I think you're right. And then the best among them uh, do something new with that formula and make it feel fresh and unique. And I do think Last of Us 2 achieves that in some regards. I don't know if gameplay is one of them. You know, just just I'm, I'm not trying to be flippant or dismissive. I, I don't know. I, I I enjoy this game enough to replay it for sure. But it also doesn't feel like I couldn't get this same experience as far as gameplay goes from another AAA title. Yeah, it is like one of those ones that I felt a little like it, it it was okay i'd say like the last of us part two is a good game um and there's plenty to enjoy in it um it's like just thinking of just the gameplay um it, it's it's good it, it's right. it's totally serviceable um and i i i still felt while playing it that there were like that that whole idea that you no, know, they're they're taking pieces from other games and other types of genres and niches and and putting them in together here. Like, um, they there were there were plenty of times throughout where I still felt like, oh man, I kind of kind of would just play the game that this is uh this is you know pulling inspiration from or you know like the stealth mechanics. I'm just gonna go play Metal Gear Solid. Sure. No, it's <laughs> funny. You know, not to get too off topic here, but it's funny you mentioned that because that was my exact takeaway from uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Because the three main influences of that game were Uncharted, uh, Metroid, and then like Dark Souls. I would say those are the big three. And while I was playing that game, I was like, I would just rather play one of those three. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's not that this is necessarily bad. It's just so clearly inspired by X, Y, and Z and never achieves more than them that I'm like, I would just rather play those things in their truest form. Yeah. One thing I did like about this one compared to the first Last of Us was this one encourages more exploration. Their maps are a lot bigger. There's a lot more nooks and crannies. I think one of the standouts is actually that first area when you get to Seattle, and it's essentially an open world game for a little bit there. You have like a, quite a few city blocks you can go and explore, and there's a lot of cool goodies there that you can get if you choose to. Uh, I think that comes at the cost of of puzzles. Um I wouldn't say Last of Us 1 particularly had any of that amazing puzzles either, but I feel like Last of Us 2 has like barely any, uh, which I don't necessarily mind, to be honest. I, I, you know, I don't view these as puzzle games. I'm not here to solve puzzles. Uh, I'm, I like the exploration. I thought that was a smart move on Naughty Dog's part because they are good at building these set pieces and, and these elaborate environments. And they do a pretty good job of keeping it fresh because as we could all imagine, I think, in a post-apocalyptic world, so many of the places are just going to start to look the same. It's it's this ruined building, that ruined building, field, <laughs> you know. So the idea, right. that, or just ha the that Naughty Dog was able to keep the locations feeling different and fresh, I think was smart. And a lot of people I know kind of give the game flack, maybe jokingly, about how they skip straight from Jackson, Wyoming to Seattle. Uh, and then Jackson, Wyoming to California. But I don't really mind because presumably that journey was not very interesting. You know what I mean? It was exactly what I'm describing. It was building camps and, and various abandoned places. 
and avoiding infected. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's, you know, a, like a, a reason for those jumps. And, and that's okay because, um, like, like you said, the, the world is, you just kind of know what you're getting into with the, the world of The Last of Us. So to, to, to travel across the country as we've done before with Joel and Ellie, um, there, there is a level where like, okay, well, we've, we've, we've tread this ground before. Do we really need to do that again? Or do we just need to like cut to the part where like things actually happen? And so I do appreciate that, you know, Seattle was an interesting departure from a lot of the level design in the last of us part one, which I thought was a really good change of pace. Um, taking that um, like post-apocalyptic world and just making it more explorable was very good. Like I think the the most enjoyable part of the game for me was that uh, initial day in Seattle and just seeing how large of an area you could explore, kind of getting through the, the different environments in that area with like contextual story clues like there's always the talk about like a Bethesda game and you find a skeleton with items around it. Oh, then, yeah, uh, right. <laughs> it, you know, it, it was, it was, uh, if it was elder scrolls then it was attacked by a thing and it died in a cave or if it was fallout, then, you know, here's it a person by a who thing was and like, died in a cave. Yeah. Yeah. Or they were just like hanging out watching TV and the nukes hit. Cool. Right. Um, uh, you get that like little, little bit of story, but, um, the last of us also has that feel to it with like discoverable little pieces. And you can, you can sense that artists are, you know, trying to put a little bit of charm and creativity into each little space, uh, which made that like initial exploration very fun and rewarding to the point where, uh, I, I, I was just like running around saying like, where, where can I go and what can I do? Um, and I wasn't really too concerned with the, like the ulterior plot at that point. I was just really looking around to see for, you know, whatever's sake to just look around and see what was available. Uh, because Naughty Dog has like historically been uh, fairly straightforward uh, with their games, like The Last of Us, Uncharted. Um, I, I think the most open games uh, that Naughty Dog has made uh, are Jack two and Jack three uh, <laughs> of the Jack and Daxter series, which uh, I really enjoyed those aside from those, they've mostly been like straightforward linear games. So right. to see this big like production triple a world open up a little bit more was a very nice uh, change. Um, it's no red dead redemption too, but it is still very, very intriguing to, just be able to walk around and and wander and see what you might find. Right. I agree with all that 100%. And and I would say too, I you know, I think we both agree that there's definitely a place for those linear games. I I think we get open world fatigue just as much as anyone. So I definitely yeah. don't mind it when a game is pretty straightforward and says this is the story we're going to tell. But it's nice to and and I would say for the most part that's what this game does, absolutely. But it's also nice that they broaden the scope a little bit and let us run around and play in the playground, basically. <laughs> the last thing I want to mention as far as just gameplay goes, and this is a thing I've started trying to pay more attention to in recent years because it doesn't necessarily impact me directly, but I just think it's cool that we're seeing more of a focus on it and developers are 
putting more emphasis in this is that the accessibility features in this game are pretty cool. Some of them, even just like, for example, this game has like an auto pickup you can turn on where you just walk into a room and Ellie will or Abby will immediately pick up everything around. Uh, that's good. You know, even as uh, outside of just accessibility, that's just, you know, cool. You can turn that on if you want, if you don't feel like spamming triangle all the time. I was spamming that button so much. And then when I noticed, I, I, I saw online that you could do that. I, I was already like almost halfway through the game. I'm like, oh man, I could have just been like automatically picking things up all this time. That right. sounds so much better. Right. But no, yeah, the, the accessibility features, that's a really good thing. I think that's a, an excellent point to, to touch upon because um, a lot of people play games and not everybody is the same. Everybody right. has a different experience. And to see developers uh, actively thinking about all of the different people who do want to play their game uh, is a reassuring thing. Uh, it's a very nice thing to include people uh, that, you know, whatever their experience is, uh, they have a, a way to play it. I'd love to see more developers follow suit and, and implement that kind of stuff into their games so that, you know, everybody just has an opportunity to play it somehow. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Uh, so that being said, did you have anything else you want to talk about gameplay? For the sweet? Yeah. <laughs> Don't show all your hand here, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I thought the gameplay was, was particularly fun. Um, the, it, it is still very solid with uh, like shoot them and, and shoot them up stuff. Right. And it, it's, it's like, uh, the, the kind of feel of the first last of us is still like there very much um like this kind of stealth combination with uh third person shooter it, it's very tight at times and sometimes it's like uh very precise so um they definitely ramped up i think some of the like some of the creativity that you can do with mm -hmm. with the, the different encounters in the game which is nice um there's definitely an increased amount of uh, variety uh, that they pulled from like the, the left behind DLC and right. uh, the, there, there are moments where like humans and infected will clash with each other here or there. Um, and you can kind of use that to your advantage. So the, uh, the combat itself still feels very good and it's kind of been tweaked and updated a little bit. Um, and I think I think my my thoughts on the combat might come a little later as well because like sure. it's it's kind of kind of a mixed bag like, um, on one hand it feels really good and it and, and it's it's very powerful uh, when it's in your hands, um, and then I'll definitely touch on the other half of it later. Sounds good. Well, then let's shift away from gameplay and let's talk about the story of this game. Uh, still in the suite, mind you. <laughs> uh, and so look, this game is really divisive for a lot of reasons. Some of them more valid than others, as we will get into now. Uh, and I'm thinking maybe we can just set the discourse straight here a little bit. I want to put my foot down and say, this game story is fine. It's it's good at parts, I'd say. Uh, I think the game really takes you on a ride. And it's, it's really tense in all the good ways. Uh, I would say, I don't know if this game ever rises above its genre, that it's playing in, which is post-apocalypse. And I am a fan of post-apocalypse fiction, so I was a fan of it. And I do think sometimes with video games, especially broad AAA video games, people have a tendency to either forget or overlook the fact that art 
can can be playing in a very specific space. And I think that's what The Last of Us was doing. And I think The Last of Us obviously achieved a like broader appeal, rightfully so. But still, that's that it, it's playing by the rules and w- within the tropes of that genre. And I think it does it pretty well. Uh, I know a lot of people were upset that Abby kills Joel so early in. I know people were upset that Abby kills Joel so early on. And as a fan, I too would have liked a little more Joel in this game. But Abby is a pretty good character. And here's my defense. When that moment happened, I wanted to kill Abby just as much as everyone else who is like upset about this. Uh, it actually, I, I like saw depths of my soul that I did not particularly like <laughs> how much I wanted to punish Abby for that. So the structure of the game, just in case anyone isn't familiar, you go to Seattle as Ellie, you play three days and it ends with this, you, you run into Abby and it's like a boss fight. But then before you even get to the boss fight, you flash back and you play those same three days as Abby. And then the final boss fight of that section is Ellie. When it was clear what Naughty Dog was going to to do, which is try to make me sympathize with Abby, I had to be brought in kicking and screaming for a couple reasons. One, uh, I feel like that whole concept, uh, honestly, The Walking Dead did that to death for me, this whole idea of like, oh, well, you know, they're like, if you just look at the other character in a different light, they're also a bad person. Rick is a monster from Negan's point of view. Ellie's a monster from Abby's point of view. It can be cliche, uh, almost cliche is just the basic revenge plot of this game itself. But the important caveat here is this game, even in The Last of Us 1, told us, no, Joel is a monster, and Joel knows it. Joel has done things in his past that he's not proud of. Even when Abby is about to murder him, he says, let's just get this over with. He doesn't ask why or who. He knows. On top of that, I was mad at Abby. (laughs) She killed my (laughs) video game dad. I was mad at her. And I was adamant that I would never agree with Abby. I was like, no, I'm just going to run through this stuff and I'm going to get back to Ellie where I can kill her. And I did a complete 180 for a couple reasons. One, it helps that some of the best stuff in the game is in those Abby missions. So they did that. That was just smart game design. Like like a lot of the best stuff in the game is those Abby days. And uh, two, you, you just get to know Abby better and you see the fallout that traveling to Wyoming and killing Joel had on her and her group of people. And you understand her reasonings Uh, So much so that by the time we did flashback to playing as Ellie, uh, who still is adamant on killing Abby, I really didn't want to do it. I didn't want either of these women to go through anything else, uh, go through any more trauma than they already had. Uh, I wanted them to shake hands and walk away, which the game presents as, at that time, an impossible solution. And... uh, I mentioned that part because I have seen a lot of takes of people saying Ellie is the villain, uh, which I think is like relatively popular. I think that and I think that's a fair reading, but I disagree with it because I think the point of this game is there are no heroes. Everyone here is deeply flawed and like Abby is sympathetic. Absolutely. But, you know, she has also done a fair share of monstrosities, both on screen and off, just like Ellie. And what Ellie does at the end of the game, which is abandoning her new family to go back and try to kill Abby is extremely selfish. But she's a human. You know, she's still dealing with all this. She still didn't feel like she got the closure because she traveled across the country, just got her ass handed to her and then left maimed, you know, uh, which ultimately just happens again at the end of the game. So uh, I can understand why someone might from the top down look at that and go like, that's not a satisfying narrative. But uh, I think it was the Girlfriend Reviews channel in one of their videos on Last of Us 2. They made the point of plot does not equal story. 
And I think that's an important thing to remember there. Yeah. And it's also one that is like this, this doesn't really have an opportunity for like a neat and happy ending with a bow tie at the end to wrap it all up. Right. It's definitely, I think something that Naughty Dog was and, and Neil Druckmann was trying to do this story that has a lot of like emotional roller coaster to it, but then, um, through and through is a revenge plot from two different perspectives and uh it it requires that you see those two perspectives right and i think once you're exposed to that that whole again it's it is like you said the walking dead well they're just as bad uh type of narrative but once you do see that then it does yeah it becomes a lot more difficult to to kind of make your way through the game I think I feel like this, this story was never going to feel good at any point. Oh, absolutely. Point. Maybe to a fault. <laughs> right. Uh, like there, and even then like the, the flashbacks, the, the, the moments that you do spend with other characters and see their motivations and the, the kind of like joy in their lives. There's just a bittersweet feeling to those moments because you, you know what will happen and what has happened. So even like going into a character's memories and, pulling out the good memories there's just this uh there, there there really isn't a complete feeling of joy or happiness to it it this game is really devoid of that and it's kind of a question i think uh what the, the the larger world around them you know is it possible in that world to do you know something that's good right it's also hard for me to be like too disappointed when the story when it's clear exactly what they're doing. Ellie and Abby are like a hundred absolute foils of each other. Maybe even just they're the same person. You know, they both drive the people close to them away with a revenge plot and then try to find their way back to that peace they had before. And Abby and Lev, who is also great, by the way, Lev is, is really, really a good character. You know, Abby and Lev are just Joel and Ellie. <laughs> like it's the exact, like it's, it's really clear what they're doing here. Uh, so I just think it's a little silly for people to be so hung up on Joel's death that they can't see the broader picture. And I mean, Joel had to go sometime. He was lucky to be as old as he was in this world, or so we would believe from what we've seen of it. And also, I think uh, part of the reason a lot of the story sells is because uh, I think the writing is good for a video game. Like, I think it's a fine video game story, but the cast is really, really good. Absolutely incredible. A lot of good work from those people, um, everybody involved in, you know, the voice acting, motion capture. It's an okay story. Like it, it, it'll probably get you to feel something and, and that's, and that's good. Um, could it be better? Probably, but it, you know, it's, it's a video game. So it kind of works within its, its own medium. Absolutely. Then as far as, uh, like broader outside of just character specific stuff goes, Oh, wait, but first I want to say, I don't want to understate how cool the climax of Abby's section is, like when you're riding through the Seraphite village with a horse and it's all burning down around you. Yes. That was very, that was, extremely cool. <laughs> I, I I totally agree with you. And like, I feel like the the best parts of this game were playing as Abby. Yep. And like the, the Rat King boss fight. Uh, absolutely yes. incredible. Oh, like, gosh. I would say, honestly, that's one of my favorite boss fights in a game. Taking into account the like tension and the buildup to the fight. Yes, that was extremely cool. And and uh, which brings me to one big thing I want to praise this game for is it definitely is scary at parts. Uh, it, it is, I would say, a little bit more of a horror game than the first one. Not through and through, but there's parts where it's not afraid to get kind of scary. Uh, the new enemy types are really cool. 
the um the skyscraper descent was really harrowing like yep. just oh gosh not only are you like you have to consider uh all of this infected and you're just descending deeper into what's kind of like a nest but then um there's also the the, the issue of the height just like they for some reason, you know, decided to go with, uh, let's just like bounce between skyscrapers and that's how we'll, you know, get around town, which, you know, I guess works. But, uh, for me, yeah, that, that was, that was, that was scary. <laughs> Those heights. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, it's effective. It's all, you know, it, it knows exactly what it's doing and it does it well. It's very competent. And, and this is something I think we'll talk about in the sour because maybe it comes back on itself in a negative way, but it feels like everyone on this game took it very seriously. The performers were really giving it their all. Neil Druckmann was, you know, really taking the story seriously and really fine tuning it. And then, of course, the devs, like the the people who actually programmed the game and designed it and did the art, just incredibly talented, Uh, really, really good at what they do. And they should be proud. Uh, That being said, I'm ready to move on to the sour if you are, Mike. Let's do it. Folks, welcome to the sour. We talk about the things we didn't like or love about The Last of Us Part Two as much. And just continuing our topic of talking about the overall story, I think the pacing was a little weird. Even like I said, though, I I was eventually I came around to Abby and I did really sympathize with her. Abby day one is still too long. It just brings the game to a screeching halt. And there's like sections of that with Ellie, too, where it feels like the game meanders a little bit too much. But I think Abby day one is the most concrete example I can point to. I feel that too, because there's, there's also a lot of flashbacks uh, throughout the chapters in the game. And um, I mean, like the first and foremost thing is you're, you're, you are playing a game and there are times where this definitely feels like it wants to do. I mean, it, it definitely wants to be more cinematic that that is kind of been naughty dogs thing for a few years now are these, um, big and high budget cinematic gaming experiences but uh this game sometimes yeah i just i didn't always want to pick it up and play it because i knew i was like in the middle of like the low point and some of those lows are pretty long and they don't need to be um at least i don't i don't feel like they need to be um i i definitely think that um both narratively and uh, video game wise, there's probably material here that could be uh, truncated. Just you know, whether it's shortened, uh, just to really emphasize what it wanted to do uh, in a particular scene, or um, I, I don't know if cut entirely is necessary for some things. But um, there are just too many moments that kind of felt a little too long. And primarily you're here to play a, you know, a stealth zombie shooter and, um, you kind of want to get to that. You, you want to get to the moments that are like the fun roller coaster part. It's, it would be like uncharted if you didn't do a bunch of Indiana Jones stuff for the better part of an hour. And then finally you're, you know, doing Indiana Jones stuff. But then you think about that almost an hour of not adventure and you're like did i need to do that do i really want this and you know would it would it make it a better game overall if it just wasn't there um or at least if it was shorter right um 
because then it, it, you know, it, it's laser focused. Absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned Uncharted because the next point I wanted to raise was, um, I don't know, sometimes the tone, like the voice, if you will, of this game rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, and that was namely in it, it, it feels like there's a lot of times where the game like finger wags me for playing it, uh, mostly in the violence. And it feels like, so this game is hyper violent. Uh, and I'm, I'm not squeamish by any means. Like I, I do not mind violence. I'm an American, but it feels like the violence of this game was a direct rebuttal to criticism that was levied at uh, Naughty Dog for Uncharted, which was the, the phrase we've all grown to love, ludonarrative dissonance, where Nathan Drake is gallivanting around and being a real swashbuckler, but also doing a lot of murder. <laughs> it seems to not mind it. Whereas in this game, I, as the player am required to do a lot of murder because even in the stealth sections, it feels like the combat is just like pretty mandatory. And then I am made to feel really bad for doing it. But I found, so I don't know, it's weird because thematically it worked on me for a little bit. I would try to avoid combat when I could because, you know, there's things that everyone knows now where like the every NPC has a name and they'll call out the name of the person you kill as you kill them. And at first I found it effective. And then after like the 12th time, it was so repetitive and so predictable that I just kind of checked out. Um, but the, so the violence didn't really make me feel bad, um, because it's so mandatory and also it's fun. <laughs> like, sorry, I'm having fun with your game. I guess I, I know the difference between a game in real life. You know, I'm not a particularly violent person, uh, but the game feels good to play. And clearly a lot of work went into these combat systems and even refining them from the first last of us. So I'm going to use them, you know? Yeah, dissonance is the best description of it because I I I got the same sense. the 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 idea is that okay, you're there, there's there's a lot of um, I guess discussion about morality and what you're doing, whether you're Abby or whether you're Ellie, or even going back, whether you're Joel. Um, you know, there's there there is uh that uh, revisit to the actions that Joel made in the first game that, you know, were, were you doing the right thing? Were you a good person? And, um, like the walking dead does, uh, in, in its narrative and character, um, development, you know, it, it's like, uh, can you be a good person in this post-apocalyptic world? It, it, it's kind of, uh, a, gray subject to 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 explore but in the course of the game the finger wagging the, the you know kind of like being um averse to the game itself is a little strange because that's essentially what it's doing is mm -hmm. uh if if you uh you know are trying to make the player feel bad for playing the game because you killed somebody which is just a very common thing that games do i mean for better or worse like the, the the violent aspect of a lot of games is is just you know kind of natural it's there it's it's uh something we've known for a long time and something that has been debated for a long time there are many games out there that do not center themselves around shooting mechanics or violence mechanics but uh you know this particular game does and I find it very strange when a game like this, or I think Bioshock Infinite is a great example of it too, because it is probably the poster child for the phrase ludonarrative dissonance, because you're running around shooting a lot of people, 
And then, you know, characters around you will start to question, like, are you a good person or a bad person? You know, it's like, well, I don't have a choice. I I really don't. And I, I think this is one of the things that really did bug me about this game in particular was, and this kind of goes back to, you know, these games do a good job of being amalgamations of the best parts of other games. And I think this is really where it shines um, in that when I played through the first time, I spent a lot of time trying to be stealthy and I, I just to be upfront at, at a certain point, I just didn't care anymore because I learned relatively quickly that it just, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. Um, you, you cannot simply sneak your way through the last of us two. Um, and, and I don't think you can do that with the last of us one either. Um, if you can, then it's incredibly difficult. I spent hours on single encounters trying to like inch my way from one side of the, the, the arena to the other without being spotted. And like, again, like shout out to Naughty Dog for creating a dynamic, immersive and engaging game because you can be spotted, run around and lose the enemy and they will patrol and the AI is very intelligent in a way. They do kind of like split up and search for you and the way that all works is really good, but there's just no way to that end goal. There's no way to get out without being seen and without engaging and fighting somehow. Um, I tried as best as I could and it was just impossible to, uh, maintain the stealth so eventually you do have to throw hands or bullets and uh you know that is part of i guess the survival and the game narrative or the characterization definitely goes through like oh you you killed somebody that's bad right but it never really brings it back around on well i had to because otherwise i would have been killed Exactly. Uh, and there's just this level of, okay, well, you're, you're kind of making me feel bad. It, it, is it, is it, you know, like a, a survivor issue, like, or, uh, is it survivor syndrome? It, it's like, I, on one hand, the game wants me to survive. Like I, I have to, you know, the, that's the point of the game is don't die. But then you're kind of like waving the, the morality flag at me about, okay, you know, games are violent and, you know, the story is violent and you got to be violent to survive because you can't sneak your way through. I, I, I kind of feel like like the creators are missing the point a little bit with what they're trying to say. If they're trying to say anything at all beyond, you know, the, the, the bare minimum of uh, characterization and story development, uh, because there are other ways that you can build your game in order to reinforce that. And I think a very powerful example is Metal Gear Solid 3. Yep. Hideo Kojima has already done this uh, much more effectively uh, back in the early 2000s. And and it was as simple as you have a choice uh, with within your game. Your mechanics are built in a way that um, you can run through and you can be as violent or as pacifist as you please. And other games have done this too, like Deus Ex is a great example of uh, games with like realistic and like possible pacifist runs where you don't kill anybody. Uh, you might knock them out. You might put them to sleep. You know, it, it's technically harmless. Um, 
but you you don't kill anybody, and the violence can be toned down within the the rules of the game. It's part of the rules of the game, um, and uh, you know, it it adds not only another dynamic to the way your game feels and and the way it plays, but it also provides a new challenge for people. People will go through the first time probably not realizing that, you know, okay, this game is dynamic enough that you have the choice. And then when they do realize that you have the choice, then suddenly that, um, that morality, uh, issue that the game raises becomes a lot more real. It, It definitely affects you as a player much more. And, uh, then you can go back and play through it again and think about, okay, Am I going to try to be stealthy and be pacifist? Um, you know, kind of be the you know the the beacon of morality within this world, um, or am I going to you know be uh, ruthless and run and gun my way through again? Um, and that also opens up opportunities for replayability that absolutely you know, just aren't there now because that's not how the game is designed now. I, I, I have to sneak through a little bit in order to not be overwhelmed, but um, I can't outright avoid everything. And um, I mean, even like say Metal Gear Solid 3, you, you can't avoid everything. There's still moments where, you know, you, you have to fight uh, the pain, you have to fight the fury, the, the, you know, all the boss fights, you know, you have to do those. But the the regular soldiers that you face, like, you hold their lives in your hands and you can either just walk past them or you can be a murdering machine and the game doesn't really wag its finger at you so much as it gives you those options and says, all right, here's what you've done. Now sit with it. Right. Now live with it. Metal Gear Solid will remember Uh, that. And, um, the last of us never really gets anywhere meaningful. I think with its, uh, themes of morality in this world because it just doesn't give you an option you're absolutely right this game would be a lot more effective if we as players had any agency in what was going on but we don't which is why i don't feel that bad when the game is trying to make me feel bad the best example of this is the the real turning point for ellie when uh, she kind of starts grappling with what she's doing is when she kills mel who is visibly pregnant and that's extremely dark. Ellie is traumatized by it and feels terrible. Never mind the fact that, like, you know, Ellie has killed maybe hundreds of red shirts up to this point. And just because they weren't visibly pregnant doesn't mean some of them weren't pregnant, right? Uh, and, and so I don't know. Like, if, if I had chosen to kill Mel, then I would be like, well, that's fair game because I did that. And, like, that's disturbing that I chose to do that when I had another option. But I didn't choose to kill Mel. Ellie chose to kill Mel and I was it wasn't even like a quick time event (laughs) which the game does that as well like in the final fight with um Abby round two if you will there's like a moment where you have to like try to stab her and if you don't you just get a game over so it's like you know there's there's no agency there's no there's no stakes for me to care about what behavior is chosen uh and and at some points because of that it feels like a movie uh, where I'm just, I'm a passenger. But moving on from that, the other th- story thing I wanted to talk about was Lev's arc. I love Lev. I think he's great. I think he is is a wonderful character. And uh, I think pairing him with Abby is a great choice because we meet Abby and she is on the brink of being too far gone. Uh, she's grappling with what she's done to Joel. It's pushed people away from her. 
And then she meets Lev and sort of finds her humanity again because he's a sweet little boy. Tying Lev's arc, though, to trans trauma feels kind of gross. Uh, just feels like they didn't have to do that. I understand he comes from this like hyper religious cult. It could have been a little more implied, you know, uh, and my bigger gripe with this is the fact that I don't know if you heard about this, Michael. This was protected behind review embargo. So like reviewers couldn't even warn people. And there were a few people who I believe broke embargo and did. And I applaud them for it. Because this feels like a bigger conversation. I almost feel like maybe that should be included on like ESRB warnings, right? Because truly, no game is ever completely spoiler free because we know, for example, this game is rated M for violence and drug use and, you know, sex or whatever. I don't know if maybe there's a way we could that could be covered on there or what. Um, But even beyond, like, I think it's just a little hack that they did that with Lev from an artistic standpoint. It just feels really, really, really gross that people were potentially had no warning for that. Um, and ultimately I think Lev's story is, is good. And I think, uh, the greater takeaway with, from Lev is that he found his place with Abby and she found her place with him. I just wish they could have done it a little better. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's kind of weird, um, to have a, a story like that come from like, you know, Neil Druckmann isn't necessarily a bad writer, but, um, I don't know who else was there with him guiding him with that particular part of the plot and those characters. And I think that if if there was nobody there, then there should have been somebody with that shared experience there to say, hold on, maybe you shouldn't do this or maybe try this instead. Because I think that um, the, 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 the reality is that regardless of, you know, whether it is uh, prehistoric or uh, modern as we know it today or uh, fictional post-apocalyptic. All of these people exist and will exist. And and so including characters in your story is a good thing. Doing it right is probably going to be a little challenging if it's not your own shared experience. So there absolutely should be somebody there for that part. Right. Absolutely. I agree hundred percent because, you know, we can't fault everyone for not knowing anything, but that's why I think as a creator, it's your job to uh, ask questions and not be afraid to say, I don't actually, I don't know. I need to, I need to educate myself a little bit. And I will say to the credit of the game, they don't dwell on this too long and Lev is treated with just as much respect as every other character, which is to say not very, because boy, does he get beat up a lot. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I just felt like, honestly, it was the the dead naming and not being able to warn anyone about that. I felt like that could be, because, because I mean. Yeah, that'll be something that, or, or has been something that, you know, somebody probably saw on just, you know, that with, with, again, it's a dark game. It's violent. There are probably things there that will, uh, you know, cause some sort of um, me- you know, mental harm to somebody. Sure. Um, but then that also is a very specific kind of harm uh, that, you know, isn't really, I don't, I don't think it's intentional. It's not intentional from Druckmann. Right. It's not intentional from Naughty Dog, but it is something that somebody will stumble upon and be like, Oh, Oh, I, 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 I did not need that today. And you know, that, that is something that, um, can hit people on a different level in a way that just doesn't have to. 
Absolutely. I know right before we started this, I said we should end with gameplay, but I actually want to I want to change my mind a little bit. I think we should end with the discourse because that seems like an appropriate way to end this hour. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So did you have anything you want to say about gameplay? Because I feel like I've I, I've kind of covered mine as far as the sour goes. Kind of like I said at the top, the gameplay is fine. It doesn't do anything super inventive. And my only huge gripe with the gameplay is is how mandatory combat feels. And it, it to be fair, this could be I'm bad at stealth and I just got caught all the time. But even beyond that, there are some sections where stealth is not an option. You get thrown into the combat arena and it's it's doom. Except not as fun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely think that they could have improved upon that. It, it, it's something that, um, again, their choice in video games is this weird, like, um, it's a very weird topic because when you talk about choice in video games, a lot of people tend to think about the binary choices that mm-hmm. games give you. Like, um, you know, spoilers, end of Far Cry 3, you know, do you save your girlfriend or not? Um, stupid uh, idea for a binary choice in a video game where no other binary choice was made. Why is it there? It doesn't need to be there. It, it's dumb. But um, the, uh, the there are many examples of, of games out there where the core design and mechanics of your game uh, are in, indicative of giving the player choice, giving the player agency. Um, we already talked about Metal Gear Solid 3, it does that. And it doesn't bang you over the head with it. It's not a binary, it's not really a binary choice either because you constantly have to reevaluate that. I think this game would have done like so incredibly well had it had um, player agency built into it with that in mind. And you you can then, you know, kind of explore the themes that uh, were written into the story a lot more uh, meaningfully with the gameplay um uh, because it, it is such a strange experience like you've made really fun uh you know killing gameplay and every time you hear bones crack or bullets fire it has this like really uh powerful sound design to it it's just very visceral um so it, it's like you you made a fun shooter why are you getting mad at me for playing it and then also, get, this is the only way that I can play it. Um, so, you know, build, build, build your game in such a way that, like, I have the choice. If this is the kind of story and and uh, theme that you want to explore, um, so it's this is kind of weird to me. I don't I don't know why um, it doesn't have that option. It just it, this game. It, it's almost like it. The story it's telling was designed as if we had any agency, but that's not how the gameplay was designed. It's a story about revenge. I get that. And I could even accept the idea that maybe like we saw that story play out in cutscenes, but just, I don't know, in the in the gameplay moments being constantly shamed, like we've said, shamed for, for being violent. It's like, well, that's what like, the game you made for me is <laughs> like, there's no button to try to talk it out. There's a button to shoot. Yes. I mean, it's kind of like, okay, what about Fallout without, you know, a speech skill? What about, you know, RPGs where, you know, it's all about that player choice, but you don't have that player choice. It just, it doesn't mesh. Absolutely. So, Michael, let's tackle the big one. Let's set the discourse straight here. And I think we can do it pretty quickly because just a bunch of clowns over here. (laughs) 
just everyone. Uh, let's start with the gamers. Uh, so the big divisive things that made the gamers angry were uh, they were really toxic towards Abby and transphobic to Lev. So uh, I've already kind of given a, a, I think, a defense of Abby using the game, the text that we're given. Uh, so r- for now, I'll just say I think it's extremely silly to be mad that a, a, a buff lady exists because that's like, you know, they were it originally started because they were just mad that Abby killed Joel. And then the narrative shifted to, well, we have to find something else to be mad about. So people were like really digging in and trying to argue that it doesn't make sense that Abby would be this buff in the apocalypse because there's just no way she would have the means or work out enough or whatever. And people were like, there's like a in her in her bedroom, there's a whiteboard that has her workouts on it. And people were like, just these freaks, man, <laughs> just like screenshotting that and like going into it. And I'm like, hey, yeah, there's also mushroom zombies in this world. So I have suspended my disbelief. So, um, you know, grow up. And then to Lev, I would just say, uh, grit my ass. Don't really have time to deal with that. Um, so I just think that's stupid. Uh, and then the other maybe more macro issue that relates to Abby that gamers were mad about was, of course, that she kills Joel. And uh, I think it just comes down to the gamers, capital G gamers, were mad that the game didn't do what they wanted it to. And, um, you know, I think uh, an artist, a creator is... I think should pay attention to what the fans want and should just have their finger on the pulse of the fandom. But that does not in any way make them beholden to the demands of their fans. This is ultimately the story that Naughty Dog wanted to tell. And, you know, if you don't like it, that's on you. It's not on Naughty Dog. It's not on the devs. Also, all the harassment Laura Bailey got, who is the voice actor for Abby was really gross, obviously. I mean, that I hope goes without saying, but that's disgusting. She she did a great job and she's just doing her job. Um, And then as for the developers, um, you know, I actually do think I, I kind of was reevaluating this for this episode because my gut instinct was to think maybe Neil Druckmann, admittedly, and this is flawed on my part, was a little pretentious just because of the text that we were given in the game. But to his credit, I did not really see him getting much involved in this. Uh, I saw he would reply like trollingly to people who were arguing with him in bad faith, which I think is funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, we should talk about the uh, Troy Baker versus Jason Schreier thing, uh, which is for anyone not familiar. Jason Schreier posted a tweet that all it said was video games are too long. <laughs> And uh, he was talking about Last of Us Part 2 because he was playing Last of Us Part 2 when he posted that, but he didn't tag Last of Us Part 2. He didn't reference it in any way. Uh, Troy Baker, the voice actor and motion cap performer uh, behind Joel, as well as every other video game character you know, uh, (laughs) took that and he retweeted it with this uh, like a a JPEG of a Theodore Roosevelt quote that basically said uh, it is not the the critic that counts, but the man in the arena, the man working for it. And he just said, I'm just going to leave this here. And it's like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> like, Michael, Let's talk to your cringe. Yeah, I just want to say this right now on the record to you and the approximately 12 people listening. If I ever make a piece of art that is by any tangible metric successful like this was, I'm going to log off. And I'm going to let people stomp and throw their fit, either in good faith or bad. And I'm just simply not going to care. I'm going to go on a vacation to a beach somewhere. Uh, And now I know that this happened in the heights of quarantine. So everyone was going insane and was just on Twitter all the time. I don't care. I don't care. Log off. And 
to, I guess, dive into Troy Baker's uh, rebuttal even a little bit more, I just think that's like incredibly stupid and in bad faith because if you follow that thread to its logical endpoint, which is to say you can't criticize because you didn't make it, that means we can literally not criticize anything ever in the world. Anything from uh, something as stupid as a video game to something as real as politics. <laughs> so it's just really, really dumb. It's just clowns. And really, too, like Jason's criticism wasn't levied at uh, Troy Baker in any nope. way at all. It was just like, you know, this game could be shorter. And, and that's a He's point that right. we've already yeah. made <laughs> in this in this episode and, and many times elsewhere, too, is that. You know, the, the, the hour requirement that people have for games like, oh, if I buy a $60 game, it better, you know, fulfill so many hours for me. Uh, it, I, I think I think we definitely need the criticism in order to, you know, kind of guide ourselves towards like there, there's a sweet spot for every single game and for every game that spot is going to be different. Absolutely. Um, in the case of The Last of Us, it it overshoots it. It definitely overshoots it. And um you know, it's not all totally bad, but like I, I totally agree with Chasen on this because, yeah, there were times where I just felt like putting down the game because I, you know, it, it, it was just kind of dragging mm-hmm. and it didn't need to. So, um, Troy Baker jumping in to, to, you know, just be the, the, the gilded knight against criticism at all. It's just ridiculous. Uh, because at no point was this criticism of Troy Baker's performance. I, I don't even think it was really a criticism of uh, the writing of the game. Um, it, it's just pacing. It, it is all 100% pacing. And, you know, if if your game is losing people's attention, um, it, it's not really a good thing. And I don't think that's really worth defending as like, oh, well, you just didn't get it. Um in this particular case, it's just like you're playing a game and you're just, you know, not having as much fun as if you were playing a different game. So it, it, it overstays its welcome a bit. Um, maybe you should, you know, consider that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like honestly, the the takeaway from this game is it, it, is that it's like I don't understand why everyone lost their minds over it. I really don't, because I think it is mostly effective at what it's doing, which is playing in that genre space. Uh, but it's also not, a, you know, perfect. Uh, like any art form, there's things to cr- criticize about it. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what it was about this game. Maybe it was, again, quarantine. And maybe it's because Last of Us 1 was such a success and it, it had such a broad appeal. Uh, I, I don't know. What do you think? I'm not really sure because, like, again, the discourse around it, I think, is just a bunch of dumb. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to put it simply. Um there's there's a really fun meme I found online um, a few months back, and it's uh, it, it's just like the the two dogs. One of them's really strong, really swole. The other <laughs> one's just really tiny and crying. And the swole dog is you know gamers in the the 80s and the 90s, and they're like, oh, I just I just beated 32 games <laughs> yeah. in a week, and and you know this next game looks pretty cool, looking 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 like a fun time. And then uh, the the crying tiny dog the is uh, gamers in 2020. There's a girl in this game. <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like in the sense that like okay, you're complaining about characters and you're complaining about shit that just isn't. It's not worth complaining about. Like, grow up, right? Please. 
um, you know, because like there are other people besides you out there, you know, and you know everybody deserves a little representation and the entertainment and and art, you know art that we all get to consume. So um, that that is a good thing overall, and it's it kind of leads the way for more enriching and uh, better stories. I think. Um, so like people complaining about, oh, well, it's this, it's this agenda. It's that agenda. Like, no, shut the fuck up. Right. Please, like, please. Like, I'm, I'm literally, I'll pay you. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll- yeah. Like, I, <laughs> like my, my message to those people are, is, is like very clear and succinct. Shut the fuck up. Fix your heart. That's it. That's like, that's like the only solution to that discourse because you're just whining about, stuff that doesn't matter Absolutely. and the only thing that your whining is going to do is make the other people around you feel uh either they will dislike you even more than they already do if they do if, uh, and if they don't they'll start to uh probably feel unsafe around you because you're making such a big deal about people in video games not pe- things that aren't real right yeah it's fiction like seriously fuck off um it, it, it's you're just making an ass out of yourself for no good reason over things that don't exist and the people around you are going to see that and say that is a person I do not want to associate with so bye and it's just going to be a uh, a cyclical uh, thing that makes your life worse because you complained about something in video games that might not have been for you and you know what if it wasn't for you that's okay it's whatever yeah. but don't complain about it like a fucking little kid I mean, if this is the stuff you're hung up on, if you are hung up on Abby killing Joel and having big muscles, but don't mind the mushroom zombies, or if you're hung up on Lev exists, uh, but you don't mind the trauma that he's gone through, uh, you don't deserve to be taken seriously. <laughs> like, that's just all there is to it. I, I'm uh, Nobody should take you seriously. You need to reevaluate, uh, I guess, your, like, your compass, whatever you want to call it, whatever is driving you, and uh, log off. Uh, you need to get off the internet and do some soul searching. Library cards are free. I highly recommend you go pick one up. There's a wealth of knowledge there. If you're not much of a reader, they have movies too. Just, just consume some things that aren't video games and learn about the world in whatever way you can, ideally by going into it. Uh, and by that, with that being said, Mike, I think we should head into the sauce. Yeah. There's nothing more sad than how small these people's worlds are. Let's get into the sauce. We give the game our final rating out of 10. Um, I'll go first. Uh, so look, I, I want to put the discourse aside for a second because I don't think we can obviously... Like, we can, it's not fair to grade the game on what like shitheads are online or saying about it. Um, <laughs> this game is undeniably good. Uh, yeah, Did you see that Microsoft thing that leaked, by the way, where they like reviewed it internally? Yes, I heard about that. Talk about a dream job to review games and not have anyone <laughs> have to read them and get mad at me. <laughs> oh, yeah. It just... I just got to give my review to my boss and I'm, you know, I'm, I can go home for the exactly. weekend. Uh, and, and even Microsoft by their own review said it's good. Um, I, it, they basically kind of highlighted the same things everyone has already said. Some of the gunplay is weird and, and, but I think it's good that Naughty Dog took the story seriously. I do think there's a space for that in video games. I think it's cool to see more video game stories trying to aim a little higher. I don't know if this is going to move the needle for many people who don't already like this genre or video games in general. And in fact, I would actually, if I was trying to get someone into video games who I knew liked zombies and in, in the post-apocalypse, I would still probably give them The Walking Dead Season 1, both because it's a little more accessible and because I I think that story is, is maybe more effective at what uh, it's trying to do. But I think I would give this game a 9 out of 10. 
because I did really, really enjoy it. Uh, and there, I think there's a lot to like about it. And I do think perhaps the divisiveness surrounding it says something about artistic intent. And I think this game took big swings and that's cool. Like the one Abby took at Joel's head. Oh, oh wait, did you give it? Wait, did you give it a I said, score? Yeah, nine out of 10. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, wait, what are we? Nine I, out of 10 I, what? I'm sorry. I forgot to. Um, <laughs> nine out of 10 named NPCs. Nine out of 10 bricks. Okay. Well, uh, nine out of 10 clickers. We'll do nine out okay, of 10 clickers. Okay, nine out of 10 clickers. That? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, okay, so I had fun with this game. Um, I think it's a good game. I, I, I kind of struggle with the idea of calling it a great game. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, the story is okay. Game is okay. Um, it, it, it totally, I, I think did what it set out to do. Um, and you know, that is primarily like tug at your heartstrings a little bit. Um, I think there are other games out there that, that do it better. And, um, I, I, I kind of, I, I imagine there, there might be a last of us part three. Um, and if there is, I kind of hope that, you know, Naughty Dog, you know, takes the lessons they've learned with two and, and just kind of makes make three a, not a bigger game, but a, a more dynamic game. Um, it, you could probably tell I felt very strongly about like the whole stealth thing yeah. uh, and, and player agency. Um, and I think that factors into my, my final score quite a bit. And I, I think in the end, I would give it a seven out of ten. Um, uh, clickers okay because it's it's a fun game um it runs a little long you know i i do feel like it could be shorter uh in some places um but like i do i did enjoy the characters uh abby's part of the game is very good yeah like, it's, just it's very excellent fun. yeah and i i feel like it was a little strange to like like it, it's it's good that that's the the latter half of the game but it did feel like it took me a long time to get there um, when I kind of needed that like quality of game to ramp up a little bit earlier, um, which is the reason for my score. So it it's a good game. Uh, you know, if someone was looking for a, an emotional roller coaster and they wanted this post-apocalyptic setting, then uh, The Last of Us and Part 2 of The Last of Us are games I would recommend. Uh, they're they're you know very good looking. They're very fun. Um, sometimes they're a little bit slow, but if you can make your way through that, then you know it's worth a trip. Cool. Well, then to close out this episode, I have some questions for you about the future of this franchise. Uh, the first one, actually, you've already kind of hit on, and I'm going to offer my two cents as well. Like you said, I think The Last of Us Three is inevitable. Uh, Neil Druckmann has said that him and Haley Gross have written a like a, a, a treatment of like what it would be about, but he has also been very keen to remind people that does not mean he's making it right now. Uh, and I know his hands are full with the upcoming HBO show. So my first question is, what would you like to see in The Last of Us 3, which you already kind of hit on? And I think um, for me, I would like actually to see the story be focused on Lev. Maybe um, him and Abby found the Fireflies and now he so they live on that island and he has to make trips to the mainland to try to recruit more people. Because I think it'd be fair to say if this this game, Last of Us 2, is about anything, it's about revenge. And so I would like Last of Us 3 to be about forgiveness and be a little less violent, which I think makes Lev a good uh, conduit for that. 
and maybe is a little more puzzle centric and maybe you um, you find groups of people and try to help them instead of trying to only hurt them because uh, again, as a fan of post-apocalyptic fiction, I understand the urge and the, the frankly the entertainment value that comes from uh, showing people resorting to the, our, our more tribal nature. And it's a, just a it's an endless mine for drama, and it's a good source of that. But after this last year, where we all were separated and had to be inside, I think I'd much rather see a post-apocalypse story about community action, if you will, and, and trying to help each other and make each other better. And I understand that Naughty Dog has put a lot of time and money into these combat systems, and it would be too much to ask them to go away forever. So that's fine. Uh, you could still have uh, a human bi- big bad if you wanted, or maybe uh, just a bigger presence of infected and maybe new types of infected, maybe smart infected. That could be interesting. That's always a, I always am a sucker for that. But I don't know. I just think like less uh, less running and gunning, less trying to kill every single person I found in my path would be good. How about you? I agree with that. I, I think that, you know, for a Last of Us Part 3, it would be very nice to see, um, you know, some additions to player agency. And, you know, if I have to, uh, you know, uh, traverse through an area that has hostile humans, then, um, you know, we, we saw with The Last of Us 2, they, they, they want to, you know, tackle big themes and that's okay i think games can do that uh there are a lot of games that have done that and done it well so um i think player agency is a really important part of that and giving me the choice to you know be a good person or a bad person through the game's design itself is a big part of that um you know i i really like the idea of part three being uh kind of centered around forgiveness um, it, it seems like Ellie's story is definitely, I, I don't, I don't really know what she would do next in terms of like, like what other kind of adventure would she go on? It would probably just be, you know, living in Jackson, you know, just, just the basics of survival and, you know, community is a big part of that too, because they, they did build a community. Um, with our other characters, with Lev and Abby, there's probably room there to, to you know, search for more development and narrative. Um, so, like, down to the basics of the story, it's kind of tough to say, like, what it could be, but um, I do really resonate with the idea that it should be more compassionate. At some point, you know, in this post-apocalyptic world, um, we're, we're going to have to rally with the idea that either we're going to make it and we're going to, you know, help each other out or no one's going to make it because no one helps each other out. And, um, I think a part three will definitely have to grapple with that reality. You know, if you're still, uh, traversing the land the way that you do in part one and two, then I think it's safe to say that, uh, humanity is pretty close to done and chances are, the last two people will be the ones to, you know, finish the job by killing each other. Um, but it would also be nice to see a little bit more of an amicable end with, uh, you know, the, the sense of community and, and building one another, uh, despite the odds. Um, and I, I agree with you. Lev is a really good character for that. I think that he could carry that type of theme and, um, really emphasize like, okay, it, it, it's, it is, uh, about helping each other out and, you know, loving one another. And, uh, this world might be harsh, but we have each other. 
um, that is, uh, he, he and Abby were like definitely the, um, the, the characters that I, I enjoyed the most in part two and would love to see again. Um, and that theme I think fits them very well. Right. And, uh, so this, this goes into my next question, uh, cause you had mentioned maybe feeling like Ellie's story is done and I, you know, I wouldn't mind if Ellie showed up in the next one, but I, I kind of agree, but I also feel like now my opinion doesn't really matter because I, <laughs> I have no, you know, ownership of, of the last of us IP or not, I'm not in the writer's room, but I don't feel like last of us needs to be a, a, a story only about Joel and Ellie. Uh, even I think the title of this franchise suggests as much. Um, but I know Neil Druckmann has been resistant to that in the past. He is in interviews said people always say maybe set it somewhere else in the world, maybe get away from Joel and Ellie. And he doesn't want to do that, which is fair. It's it's his thing. He can do whatever he wants. And I definitely can understand the urge to not do that because they've already laid such effective groundwork with these characters. But I still think I disagree. I still think they could get away from this core cast and focus on something or someone else. And it could still be a, a cool world because ultimately this world and the virus they've created is interesting. So my question to you are, what are your thoughts about the upcoming HBO show? Because I I feel the same way about the show. When they first announced the show, I thought, oh, it would be kind of cool if the show was not about Joel and Ellie. And I thought it'd be cool if it was set in the same canon, but maybe a few years in the future. And then they could even have Ashley Johnson come in as like an adult Ellie down the road, you know, maybe in, in a future season. Uh, but they've said they're going to be following the story of the game. Uh, they're going to be stretching it out, of course, because they've cast Pedro Pascal as Joel. And so getting rid of him in the first episode of season two would <laughs> not make a lot of sense from a business <laughs> and, and a rating standpoint. Uh, and, and so I get that. It does make me worry a little bit about the cast or the, the pacing. Um, because I do think there's plenty in this world they could explore. But if they're trying to basically, I'm also pulling from the walking dead here. If they're trying to like not outpace the comics in this case, in the video games, but they're trying to also be faithful. And so it's just, everything is super stretched out and like frustrating that could get annoying. But if they're just kind of adding things and, and, you know, uh, maybe the story of the first game is going to take place over two or three seasons. I think that could work. Uh, you know, it just, I don't think it's also unfair to have a little reservation about that. Yeah. I kind of feel like, you know, with uh, the greater scope of media that The Last of Us is going to, you know, encompass, it, it, I think exploring other characters will be good. And I, I know that like the show is not going to do that. It's going to be Joel and Ellie. And I guess, you know, that is okay. It's a different medium. Uh, but I, I do feel very strongly that um, kind of like retreading that ground is probably unnecessary like I, I would say like another game with ellie that has any sort of hint of revenge just kind of feels like eh, mm -hmm. you're just you know you're, you're backtracking you're backpedaling and it's not you know gonna be good um i think there's a lot of potential in the world that naughty dog has crafted um to you know explore a, a wide variety of characters and a wide variety of themes that uh, you know, other zombie media has not necessarily covered. Um, and, and, you know, the specifics of what that is, I'm not totally sure, but, um, you know, I, I, I would hate for the last of us, the TV show to, you know, feel at all like the walking dead. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I think that would be like an instant like nail in the coffin for the series in my view because uh, you know we just we, we have so much of the walking dead now um when we had a, a very big uh zombie fiction um like uh 
uprising. Yeah, the bubbles kind of burst. They're definitely coming in a little bit late on that trend. Yes, yes. And 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 so to to kind of ride on just that alone isn't enough. Um, it, it definitely, like, I feel like because it's The Last of Us, it's going to be very character-centric. Mm-hmm. I mean, even more so than The, than the Walking Dead was. Um, but it's it's just something that, um, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm really apprehensive about them you know retreading old ground uh whether it's a game or a tv show when there are likely things that are fresh that can still be explored within that setting within that world um and even with those characters like i I don't even think that that limits you know you can't use ellie in the show because you've already had her in the game like no that's not what i'm saying it's just that um, you know we we we've seen her trek with Joel across the country. We've seen that journey, and I think that you know anybody that would watch the show if it's connected to the game's story and it you know didn't show that specifically, or even if it just hinted at it. I think if it hinted at it, it would be fine, and you might see a flashback here or there. But I mean, there are definitely like movie cuts of the game. And that you know that are serviceable if someone wants to be caught up on that type of thing. So let's explore new things. Let's take these characters and uh, you know kind of see what they do elsewhere and how they uh, interact elsewhere. Uh, let's see what other characters around the world are doing. We've only seen. I mean, it, The Last of Us is a game that takes place across the entirety of the continent of the United States. Right. So. Um, it's not like, oh, it's just a very small portion of the world, but it is a small portion of the world. There's so much more of earth to like, what is going on in Europe or Asia or Australia and and other places. So, uh, not only do you have different locations, you could explore different characters, um, different themes. There's a lot that could be done. And, um, I, I guess my 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 first and foremost fear is that it'll be easy to to adapt the game as a TV show and then kind of retread old ground and then we'll make a part three and it'll probably be just like part two and it'll be okay but it doesn't really do anything new artistically with any character or narrative or even game design and I don't want it to stagnate. Right. And- You know, I would be remiss if I just didn't say for the record, I am excited for the HBO show. I think HBO is a good fit for it. Uh, And I think uh, after doing my research for this episode, I think Neil Druckmann likes video games more than I initially gave him credit for. Uh, You can read a lot of interviews with the guys talking about all the games he's played or been playing and inspirations and things like that. But it's also clear that he loves to do the story and world building part of the game most. Like that's where his passion lies. So I think him working in the TV space is a good fit. I I could just see him doing pretty well with that. And I am overall optimistic enough that they can do kind of exactly what you're saying, Mike, where they, uh, they're not just retreading the events of the first game beat for beat, but rather expanding on them and giving us more stuff and introducing characters and plot lines that perhaps even got cut from the story in the game or just totally new stuff for the TV show. So, uh, I am excited for it. I'm, uh, yeah, we'll see. Why we'll see, right? That's all, all we can do. Uh, my next question, this is an even quicker one. These last two are both going to be quicker, I think, is, uh, what are your thoughts on the upcoming Last of Us 1 remake for, uh, I guess, PS5? Unnecessary. I'm inclined to agree. The hardware jump from the PS3 uh, to the PS5 is pretty big, 
But again, that's only going to get you so far as far as like uh, graphic fidelity goes. Um, I think The Last of Us Part 1 is still an extremely contemporary game and really doesn't need to be remade. It's totally going to have a Pedro Pascal skin, right? <laughs> <It's>, uh <laughs> I, I, and and I saw that the uh, Naughty Dog's reasoning is they're saying that uh, it basically it keeps their devs employed because as you know you know the, in the video game space devs are constantly getting laid off and rehired. But I think that is just putting a band aid on an overall systemic problem because if Sony's golden goose, I would say one of two the like the two big ones at Sony right now are this and Insomniac. And Sucker Punch is is sort of the dark horse. Uh, I love Sucker Punch, but they you know they. I think Insomniac and Naughty Dog are the two that Sony clearly is is uh, given like seats at the head of the class. Uh, if the one of the if maybe even the biggest, I would say maybe even Naughty Dog. I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? Who gives a shit? I'm getting caught up on the wrong things. <laughs> if Naughty Dog can't afford to keep people on the payroll year round, that just seems like a broader systemic problem to me. Uh, and and I'm I don't want to set the precedent for like giving them a pass by remaking old games just to keep people employed. Uh, they should just keep people employed and tell Sony you're going to foot the bill for that because th- these are human beings and they made you two, uh, you know, extremely popular. Some might even call them masterpieces of video games. And and there's more on the way. So just pay the people to stay on the clock and let them prototype and experiment and learn things to make you even more money. I agree with that. And, and, and to elaborate on my answer too a little bit, because I have some thoughts on this. Um, I, it, it, I just feel like it's totally unnecessary because of that technological jump from the three to the five, make sure that the, it, the technology is a little bit better, but you're not going to see, I think a massive improvement in, uh, in visuals, uh, graphic fidelity. I mean, Naughty Dog is known for pushing the PlayStation hardware to its limits and they're very good at mm-hmm. it. So I'm not going to you know, discredit them on that. Though I just don't feel like it's necessary to remake a game uh, that still looks absolutely incredible today uh, that also had a remaster release on the following console generation uh, to just be remade for uh, the subsequent <laughs> yeah, console right. g- generation. It just sounds asinine. And, and like it's not the only game that has gone through that type of thing. I want to bring up Resident Evil again, because that's what I do, uh, so I apologize. But um, the, the very first game in 1996 to the remake in 2002, I mean, it's not a... It's six years. Um, chances are we'll see the remake of The Last of Us, and it'll be longer than that six-year time span. But the difference between this particular original to remake uh, to the last of us is that the hardware was a huge factor. You have two very different looking games and I feel like remaking the last of us isn't going to uh, you know, bring about any sort of vi- like, like significant visual change that really sets the two apart. You're going to have people that are confused like, Wait, which one's which again? Um, is this the original? Is this the remake? And you know, depending on how it's stocked in the stores, you know, uh, 
a kid asks like, oh, I want the Last of Us remake. Mom, go buy me the Last of Us remake. And they come back with the PlayStation 3 game. Like, <laughs> I mean, it, it's a it's a silly scenario, sure. But like, I, I it just, it kind of gives me the idea that like, okay, these games are going to probably look the same. And it's not really that good of a thing. I mean... I, I think the only thing that would merit a remake of that game is just a complete overhaul of the game's design. Um, you know, maybe they expand the, the, the levels and, and there's more combat, uh, but, or, 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 you know, like somehow the game core is different, but it has to be significant enough, I think, to warrant even considering it. Right. Um, and then, and then your point with, um, the the um the dev cycle and, and this is a thing I've heard about uh, video game development as well many other places is that yeah you, if you ha- you know two teams kind of rotating in and out on pre production and production and launch um in order to keep people employed that you gotta you gotta be working on something so I understand that aspect of it and you're right it's totally a systemic issue when your game launches I don't think anybody should have to go through the stress of wondering if the thing that they're going to prototype next is going to be uh you know greenlit or not and you know that is a factor that determines if they have a job or not um that is kind of a to, to me that is a a crappy way to, you know, kind of uh, weigh your career every few years. Like, ah, uh, am I going to just to thank people for their hard work? Like, Hey, great job. We sold yeah. a trillion copies. Here is a pink slip. And, uh, well, maybe we'll see you on part three. Right. And, and so like, there's definitely a better way to do it. It's a systemic issue that needs to be solved because people don't deserve that kind of stress. I'm sure it's stressful for people that are, you know, out there, uh, you know, crunching 80 to 100 hours a week making a game just to, you know, hopefully keep their job for the next game. Um, since it's Naughty Dog and since people have been clamoring forever for it, uh, Last of Us remake, I can pass on that, but a Jack and Daxter remake, I, I could I could do I could do with that. I, I know there's a lot of people out there that want that and and would love to revisit those characters and that world. Um, and, and then even further, the uh, possibilities with a new IP, with a, a whole new world and story. Um, like you said, just give them the, the opportunity to prototype and experiment and find new ways to build a game that is interesting and engaging and build a story around it and continue to print money for Sony. Uh, there's no reason at all, I think, that... A, a game development studio needs to look at the lowest common denominator first in order to, uh, you know, keep the doors open and uh, keep people employed because it really just leads to a stagnation of everything uh, in the game space. Um, and, and other studios have to do this as well. I mean, it, it's it's a reality for every game development studio um, that, you know, chances are your next pitch will probably be a sequel to the thing you're working on now or a remake or you know something related to it that you know a lot of people out there might be thinking is it necessary do i need to have that and is it just overstaying its welcome at this point or not um when there are many other good opportunities available and 
you would likely see greater success by you know taking a risk, trying something new, than retreading old ground. Um, as much as people tend to say they want more of the same, they really just want to feel the way they felt when they played this the first time. And that is a feeling that is almost impossible to recapture with a remake or a sequel. So I feel like no matter what a last of us remake is going to be something that kind of leaves me disappointed because it just isn't necessary. We have to ask how much of a worthwhile endeavor is this really? Cause it was only two console generations ago. This game launched a remaster came out on the PS4. Uh, so that, you know, it, it's, it's already been ported once or remastered once, whatever the correct verbiage would be. And that remaster is included in the PlayStation Plus collection, which if you're a PlayStation Plus member and you have a PS5, there's just like, I think it's like 20 games you get for free. You can just have them. Uh, So everyone who has a PS5 and who has PlayStation Plus can already play this game. So I don't know. I, I just feel like it's not the most worthwhile endeavor. I do know Naughty Dog embraces crunch, which we've talked about crunch before, how it's it's I think it's a bit of a nuanced conversation. I think there is a way to do crunch and still treat employees well. And from what I've found that Naughty Dog doesn't necessarily treat employees poorly. That's why I didn't even really want to touch on it in this episode too much. But maybe this remake is a project they could at least not crunch on <laughs> i would hope anyway because like <laughs> what's the point like what is the point of like crunching on this and rushing it out uh if anything i think the longer they wait to release this the better that's in their favor yeah my final question for you is just your overall thoughts on factions too and factions is the multiplayer mode that came with the first last of us they have said it's being made i said on the last episode i kind of thought we would have some news around now uh, basing this purely on nothing, I'm a dum dum. It did just come out this week that Naughty Dog is working on a multiplayer game. My thoughts on Factions Two are: I was surprised how much I liked Factions One, and even when I got the PS4 remaster, I was surprised to see there was like still a community of people playing Factions on the PlayStation Four now. Uh, and I would play a Factions Two. I see before they announced that like they were working on this game and the language used in the announcements is of course like ambiguous that could just be are they just telling us they're working on the game they've already kind of told us they're working on or is this a new ip new thing or is factions just going to be like its own standalone live service type thing uh and i'm really conflicted because i had kind of hoped it was just going to be a free thing for everyone who already owned last of us part two right uh and it was just included in that and I would definitely check it out. Uh, if it is a live service, I'm less excited. Um, if it's free to play live service, I'm super less excited. <laughs> In general, I'm conflicted because I I don't see myself dropping more money on it. I, I I'd have to be convinced to drop any sort of extra charge. And so, if it was free to play, they would at least get me for a time. You know, I would I would check it out for sure. But how long they would get me, and and if I spent any money in it are two huge variables. Um, I think they would have me for a little bit. I don't see myself spending much money on it. Uh, but I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, what, what do you think? Do you, do you have any thoughts on this? I Okay, so I know that Naughty Dog is making this game, and um, I did enjoy Factions on the first game. Uh, I played it a little bit. We played it a little bit together, and at the time... I Yeah, it was like surprisingly solid, yeah. Yeah, it was like a fun mode, and um, I, I enjoyed it at the time a lot, especially because I think at, at around the time that 
the first Last of Us released, you still had a like a fair amount of like Call of Duty multiplayer. If it wasn't if it wasn't Call of Duty, it was a Call of Duty knockoff. Multiplayer game modes kind of felt a little bit homogenous. Like there, there, I don't think there was as much variety that we have today now uh, with multiplayer games. So um, it was like a breath of fresh air. And, and it might have also just been that, you know, I didn't play many multiplayer games at the time. So my perspective was a little bit limited uh, because of that. But um, with this new one, it's something that Again, I, I also kind of wonder, uh, I think it'll definitely require seeing more uh, before I could make a real decision if I want to play it or not. Um, because if it's just the same thing as before, then no. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, um, but you know, if they add to it, the you know, they, they build upon it and it's, uh, you know, it, it could be a fully fledged multiplayer only game uh, that, you know, does quite a lot. So... Uh, that could change my mind. Um, though the longevity of, um, playing a game like that for me isn't too long. Usually, Mm -hmm. um, there are a few multiplayer games that I can like sit with for a long time. Um, and I think factions was one that was probably moderate, not, not a long time, but a moderate amount of time. Um, I, I feel like maybe it's kind of like a big old maybe, and it depends entirely upon how the game plays. What, what is the game? Uh, because I, I would want a little bit more out of it than what it was initially. And like what it was initially wasn't bad. It's just, I, I, I would want Naughty Dog to build upon it in a, uh, a meaningful way. Um, Cause there are plenty of multiplayer games out there that I've played once and then never touched again. <clears throat> Resident Evil resistance. <laughs> um, and, uh, there are multiplayer games out there that, uh, I really enjoy and, and love to play and could probably play again and again and again and again, uh, with friends and until the end of time. Um, so, the the design of the game overall is going to be a determinant factor in that. Yeah, I agree. In, in the design of the like monetization of the game too. Yes, yes, that's also a big factor too because I'm definitely not going to. I'm 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 not about to subscribe to a gotcha game. No, I, mean, I, I play one on my phone. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, it, it, I I don't need it. I don't want it. Um, I will play everything else first. Uh, so that is my warning to. Um, video game publishers that want to um, monetize loot boxes and and surprise mechanics. Oh, hey, there's the title of the show. Please monetize surprise mechanics. I'm begging you to monetize surprise mechanics. I will sell out so fast you won't believe it. There will be a cart, a uh, Roman shaped hole in the wall behind me right now if you tell me to sell out. Like Pay I'm, us. I'm there. Pay us. Pay us. <laughs> Um, but, but like for, for the, the real life surprise mechanics that the show is named after, um, yeah, I, I can't, I just don't, I don't, I don't find any joy in those and, um, I, I would avoid them very, very much, um, in favor of games that do not do that and are just about, you know, playing the game and having fun. Absolutely. Well, 
I think we covered a lot here today, bud. Uh, thanks, as always, for doing this with me. It was a lot of fun. So this episode is going to be coming out, I believe, the day after E3. So uh, anyone listening can expect our E3 episode the following week, just because of the way our production cycle and release cycle goes. It would be a little bit of a too quick of a turnaround for us to get E3 episode done in a day. Uh, so I'm excited to talk to you about that, Michael. I'm excited to see the leaks have already started. <laughs> so, uh, like right before we recorded this, my brother texted me that apparently a Mario plus Rabbids sequel got leaked. Yes, I saw that too. It's 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 happening again. I liked that game for real. Uh, it was a pretty solid XCOM knockoff. Uh, so I will absolutely play another one. My only complaint, or I shouldn't say only, but one of my biggest complaints about Mario plus Rabbids is you were forced to have a rabbit uh, in your party. And uh, <laughs> I, I wanted them dead. <laughs> hey, that sounds like uh, most people's experience with the Rabbids characters. Yes, I will say I did have a real what have I become moment when I, uh, near the end of the game, was actually laughing at their jokes. I was like, oh, God, I got to put this thing down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Slowly transforming into Rabbid. <laughs> the, truly the uh, video game's equivalent to the Minions. Just awful. Yes. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, you know, we don't usually do this a lot, but we have a lot of fun making the show. And if you are one of the 12 to 14 people listening, as the analytics tell me, uh, hey, if you could recruit one other person to listen, hey, that would put us us up to uh, 24 to 28. Did I do that math right? Yes. So does it matter? It doesn't matter. Nah. I mean, we're going we're to keep doing this either way. But uh, if you could, that would be awesome because we like doing it and we want to keep doing it. And for real, if you monetize us, I will sell out so fast. You wouldn't even believe it. You won't believe the person I've become. I'll get frosted tips. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks again, Mike. And until next time. See ya. See ya.